So what do you think of this? What if we could talk with somebody who literally has spent time working for Emmis, Susquehanna, Hubbard, and Odyssey, just to name a few broadcast companies, and, and literally, listen to this, work their way up to regional vice president of programming with one of the largest broadcast companies in the United States? Well, uh, we can. In fact, we are about to do that right now. That's an ideal person for us to talk to on the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast. Are you ready to enjoy any of our episodes? Listen, the only thing that you really need is to be interested in others and want to grab some thoughts and wisdom about how others are being successful in radio right now. We all know it's competitive, tough business, lots of things going on. Welcome to the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast. What you're about to hear will be focused on lifting you up, giving you good advice, hearing stories of an amazing radio pro, and uncovering the path forward in radio right now. My name is Lloyd Ford. I'm with Rainmaker Pathway. Programming consultants have made great contributions to radios for decades, but times have changed, and it feels like it's time for something new. What would it be like to engage a different kind of consultant today that can meet the needs of a busy local owner or manager of a single station or cluster that wants to grow more revenue right now? Better content, better branding, coaching for your on-air talent, music, research, resources, and, and let's bump it up so that you can see some money sales coaching, sales strategy, and ideas to help your sales team rope in more revenue in the coming months. Here's what we call that, RPC. Our practice is actually a multiplier, helping local radio generate higher ratings and revenue. We make your life easier, better, faster, and more profitable. Ideas are the new technology. The great sports teams have a great offense and a great defense. It takes both to be a consistent winner. Reach out anytime for a confidential and free consultation. You can shoot me an email. It's so easy. F-O-R-D at RainmakerPathway.com. Our thanks to Joe Kelly for producing our podcast events and JustJoeProductions.com for creating our audio footprint and distributing them. We are only about a minute away from talking with Scott Roddy. He's the regional vice president, Odyssey Country West Coast, Portland, Oregon. That's what I thought. But actually, well, we're going to hear about that in a minute. See our full guest calendar all the way into... Good grief. We're scheduling now in May and June. So we'd like for you to see ahead. You can do that anytime in our free blog section at RainmakerPathway.com. We don't lock away anything on our site the way some consultants do. So go to RainmakerPathway.com anytime. See what you could get for free from our team. Scott, welcome to the Encouragers and the Radio Rally. How are you, sir? I'm well, buddy. Thank you so much for having me. I always enjoy reading your articles. Uh, I read them, you know, every week that they come out. So I'm I'm really grateful that uh, you had me on. Oh, I'm, we're grateful to have you, especially with your busy schedule and the things going on. Our, our producer Joe and I were talking about how we grab these few minutes with you. So we're really grateful to have it. Uh, you know, I'm going to ask. So let's just go ahead and get it out of the way early. How did you enter radio, or how did radio enter into your life and get your attention at first? 
Yeah, I think like most of us, I started playing DJ in my bedroom when I was 11 years old. And that was, you know, more than a few decades ago. Always listened so intently because I, I think that that painting pictures with with a brush or a, a camera, you know, I think that takes talent. But I think that the art really happens when you paint pictures with words. So when I was 11, I bought a little five channel mixer. My parents did at Radio Shack and a couple of cassette decks. And I would sit downstairs with my little realistic microphone and and talk up songs and emulate the people that I heard on the radio back then that was in Southern Indiana. And so I was listening to WIBC and WFBQ and WZPL and WNS and WFMS. And I hear the stuff that they do on the radio and I go downstairs and, and play radio. And then when I was 14 years old, the little farm station about 45 miles to the southwest of where I grew up in the southern part of the state, Martinsville, Indiana, they had an opening uh, for uh, calling basketball. And, you know, just calling in with reports. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I, I'd love to do that. I, I was the PA announcer for our our basketball team. And the little Martinsville station came in and they they asked me then if if I'd be interested in traveling with the team and just doing the, you know, Friday night report. You call in on a on a pay phone. You call collect. Oh, and, right. Yeah. And run down the highlights of the game. And then a few months after that, they had an opening on Saturday night. And. It was actually my 14th birthday that I got my FCC license and my parents was so blessed. They would drive me 45 miles one way to, to be at the station at six o'clock on a Saturday night. And I would sign off the station at 11. They'd be waiting in the parking lot after play the national anthem and turn everything off and then drive me back home. So that's that's how it started. Well, I was not prepared for that. I mean, right now, there'll be younger people listening to our podcast will go, FCC license. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, look, I wanted to ask, what did your parents do for work? I always like to know, you know, what the family thought when you got involved with radio. I kind of suspect they they were real supportive, right? Well, they were, they were super supportive. And I'm adopted, so I, I feel quadruply blessed in my life that I've oh, yeah. been so fortunate. My my mother and, and my father, they always knew how much I, I loved just listening to the radio. And so when I started my little radio station in my bedroom in the basement, they were right. always, they were always super, they would take me to remotes and take me to radio station events. And I was just such a little a radio head. I was such a geek and I'd call no, what what did these people do for work? Well, my mom, my mom was a property manager. Okay. And my father worked on at a factory at the Ford factory for 47 years. And so on the weekends, they drive me. If the pop station was doing a remote, they they drive me down there so I could just watch it. <laughs> yeah, it was that kid with the mullet and the big glasses. And yeah, it was a look. I'm sure those DJs in retrospect go, wow, I can't believe that dork did anything. <laughs> Dude, there's no way you would not end up in this business with just what you just described right there. You're just lured right in. So listen, when, when you first really found your way onto radio, you know, what was your goal? Did you think, God, I want to do mornings. I want to program. Were you thinking that far ahead back then? 
Oh gosh, not even a little bit. My my goal was to do afternoons in Indianapolis. That was my my goal from the time I was preteens. I said if I could arrive, if I could make forty five thousand dollars a year and do afternoons in Indianapolis radio, then I would have have made it. Hey man, that's a big goal. Yeah, and and I was really really lucky having worked for Susquehanna starting when I was. Right around 19, I was actually a traffic director. I, I would do anything to be in the building. And at Susquehanna and Indy, they had WFMS. Um, they had a, a country, another country station at the time, which was a new country station. And then they had right. kind of a rhythmic oldie station. And I just desperately wanted to work at the station. And Charlie Morgan took a chance on me and said, well, you can be our traffic director. So I was a traffic director working Marketron at the age of 19 and back when we only had one printer in the building and two computers. And wait, what, what was that like doing traffic? I mean, that's a, that can be, especially for a 19 year old, that'll stress you out a little bit. Well, for, for me, it was exciting because you, you have to remember being such a radio head and like, I knew how I wanted the spots to be layered in the stop set. I mean, this, that's really <laughs> how it, you know, how, the details that I love so much and putting, you know, seeing back then a buy-on rate was $450 for a 60 second spot. You only played 12 units in an hour. And so for right. me, it was so exciting to put all of that together. And FMS was such a big radio station and they made so much money. So being able yeah. to see all that behind the scenes and then laying that, you know, laying those breaks together to make them sound great. I felt like I was, like I was part of the team. And then I just really lucked out because they also let me do weekends on, on both of the stations and then it turned out that David Wood came in as the program director of, of WFMS, and he was on the air from one to three. And this was this was my golden ticket. David will admit to this too that he wasn't the greatest jock. And so Charlie suggested that while I'm doing commercial traffic, maybe I could cover his token one to three shift for him Monday through Friday. Nice. <laughs> so, all right. I, now, now, listen, before yeah. we get too far along, sure. you said something interesting. And, and I'm just going to say that way before I programmed, I never noticed some of the things that I was doing that indicated that I was going to program radio stations. And you just mentioned a number of them that happened to you. And I wonder if you picked up on it that early that, Hey, that might be a direction for me. No, no, honestly, I never thought about, it. I knew that because remember Lloyd, when we started, you know, we played everything on cart and that's right. We played 45s. And so the way we put our show together, that was a, a stamp of pride. So if yes. I had the best sounding stop sets, I'd, I'd move spots around all the time in the pod. So that way it sounded the best, you know, the Live Nation spots, whatever it was back then, they just always went first. Concert spots went first. Shane Company or Dry Spots went last. And so that's just, I wanted, if it had my name on it, I wanted it to sound the best that it could. And, mm -hmm. and yeah, in retrospect, you look back at it, that was the start of probably my interest in programming. <laughs> Absolutely. And did you find Susquehanna was just a great company? Truly the, the best company I think that's that's ever existed because it was about culture. It was about the people. And you spent 10 years there. I did. Yeah. I, I 10 did. years at Susquehanna. Mm -hmm. Was that really, uh, and especially around those people, I think you've already mentioned some really interesting people uh, 
did that help you really sharpen your on-air skills? There, no question. Uh, Charlie not only is the smartest guy in the room, and he will never make you feel dumb being around him. Um, he was a great on-air on talent, and and he taught me taught me so much, and they gave me so many resources, and they let me, they allowed me to kind of play a character because I eventually did oldies and you know none of the music was recorded before I was born so um all the music was recorded before I was born uh so yeah it was just the resources how much they cared about people I mean the closest company that you could probably find today like that is is a Hubbard because they're yes. very much the, the same. And I would have continued. I would have worked at Susquehanna and retired. Uh, but, you know, they sold the Cumulus, formats changed, and, you know, yeah. had to change. So. Well, and look, I, I think it's a natural temptation for anyone running a company of any kind to put culture kind of, I don't want to say last, but sort of, because the focus is so much on profit, 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 revenue, 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 all the time. What's going to happen this quarter, you know, but on the encouragers, we try to encourage that, that great culture is higher profit, is higher revenue. Listen, in 2005, you made a, a kind of a leap into programming, WBTU and WKLU in Fort Wayne. What made you do that? Well, when when Susquehanna was sold, uh, I had mm -hmm. a no contract, if you remember those days. And oh, yes. the format was changed. And I actually took, I don't really talk about it, but I, I took a three-month hiatus because I, I had that money. And I thought, let me do something that I want to do. And I became a, a flight attendant for three months. <laughs> and it worked. Yeah. And have you ever told anybody this? Not, I, I think people that know me know that, but yes, yeah. So, yeah, I had to do the four fingers and the exit rows and, and all of that. And I had been an APD at, at Susquehanna and I had helped some of the weekenders. And with David Wood, who's my PD at Susquehanna, allowed me to to coach the, the part-time staff and to be involved with the imaging and, and the production of the oh station. Oh my God. Yeah. You're on so, your way. Yeah. So I, I, but I never thought I wanted to be a PD because I didn't want that responsibility. And the three months that I had away from radio, uh, I, I ended up getting a couple of calls. I had three offers at once. And one of the offers was to program WBTU in Fort Wayne. And Russ Oasis was the owner, was a private owner. I figured that was as close as I was going to be able to find to that Susquehanna culture mentality is to have right. somebody, you know, private that was really hands-on, super, super smart guy and unbelievably competitive. And that really appealed to me. And he said that, look, you have a blank slate. You, you can create this station from the ground up. You can coach the talent. You can define the imaging and the strategy of the station. And he gave me the tools too. And that's where I first met Chris Ackerman from Coleman. And nice. such a, I, I am, I am probably the biggest cheerleader of Coleman that you'll, you'll ever find. And yeah, Chris knows some things. Chris knows a lot of things again. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> John Coleman. All right. So, so, so listen, almost five years in Fort Wayne yeah. and 
And listen, you find yourself making another leap to a familiar, uh, let's call it familiar area, Indianapolis. This time with Intercom, what made that move occur for you? So when I programming in, in, in Fort Wayne, we were really lucky. We debuted it at number one and we did a lot to make that happen. We also had yeah. WKLU. WKLU was actually in Indianapolis. And so oh, I was wow. programming both stations and I was driving back and forth. I was splitting my week between oh. Fort Wayne and in the and Indy, going back and forth. And you get that, that was good really, training in for later. <laughs> oh, yes, it did, did. It helped a lot. Uh, when when the recession hit, um, unfortunately, Russ had to sell his property in Indianapolis, oh. and which was a business decision. So I I needed work, <laughs> and yeah, I, right. I knew I knew the general manager Jenny Scott was the general manager at Intercom in Indianapolis, and she was looking to adjust her adult hit station, and. And I, I put my name in the hat and it was right at the launch of PPM. And mm. we were very, very, very lucky. I mean, we really hit it out of the park um, at my adult hit station. So that's right. it was it was out of necessity. And that's when I first got to meet back then. It was Pat Paxton and Wheezy Kramer, of course. And, mm -hmm. and it was just a, a monumental opportunity. Well, you know, it's interesting. You're layering in very good experiences, very good things that that are leading you to somewhere that maybe you weren't even thinking. I want to point something out. Looking at your background, you're not what they used to call a job hopper. You remember that, right? Oh, sure. Uh, your your work looks like a deliberate and intentional climb. I don't know if it feels that way to you, but you've worked for quality companies and gained a lot of experience in different places. But you've been fortunate too. What did you learn working for different quality-based broadcast companies like Emmis, Susquehanna, Odyssey, and Hubbard specifically? Hubbard was without question one of the greatest learning experiences I've ever had. I, I can't tell you how much I care about and respect Greg Strassel. Um, when, when I was at Hubbard, the amount of resources that were offered, the talent that I was surrounded by, the opportunity to work at Hubbard at the time with Steve Reynolds, who I think is just yeah, he and I sing from the same hymnal. Uh, you know, he's also a student of Coleman, and it was at Hubbard that that I've always tried to be a, a strategy first programmer, and yes. because of the resources they provided me at Hubbard, that's kind of where I made my my leadership recipe. And I really want you to bust my chops over this, uh, but my recipe is called Stew. It's let's yeah. have it. It's strategy, transparency, execution, and wonder. And well, that's pretty good. At Hubbard, that's where I, I kind of refined that. So nice. with Greg's foundation and penchant for strategy and having yes. a strong strategic foundation, others can play checkers. You always play chess. It's essential. Transparency, I think that's part of building a real culture. I don't work. Uh, the, the people on my team don't work for me. I work for them. We work. That's right. 
And, and I try so hard to lead with empathy. That's something I learned at Hubbard. Execution is something that I picked up when I spent just a minute with, with Saga. Uh, Steve Goldstein preaches being brilliant at the basics because then the art can happen. And you and I talked at the beginning about how we played our commercials, remember? And that's yes. execution. That's that's the execution part of my recipe, if you will, is that if you're brilliant at the basics, the art can happen. And then wonder, always having a sense of wonder and looking at everything kind of like a kid, because anybody can tell you a story, but if you can advance the story, if you've got a natural sense of wonder, if 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 you share the subject of the story, I mean, literally finding the subject of a story and letting them tell that story, that's what I always encourage talent to do, is to always have a sense of wonder. What? Don't just talk about it. How, how, can, how can we advance the story? Those are the things that I really learned at Hubbard. And it was such the people there, you know, the people there from the market managers, uh, uh, Drew was still there when I was there. What a brilliant man, Jenny. Nice. Just incredible. It was, I was so blessed and so fortunate to have that career opportunity. Right. You're saying so many things that makes this episode something you should, if you're an aspiring programmer, if you are a programmer, it, no, if you're a market manager, if you're a leader, a sales manager, you are saying a lot of things that deserve to be heard three, four, five times because of the value, the wisdom of some of the things that we're talking about right now when it comes to leadership and culture and strategy and putting all of those things together with execution, because if you don't have those, those separate things, you really don't have it all. I'm, I, I've got a quote about you. Okay. So please stand by. <laughs> uh, quote, it's a pleasure to work with Scott every day. Not only is he passionate about radio, but he's smart about it too. He is a warm presence in our building and and I always look forward to talking shop with him. I have grown leaps and bounds in my current position under his tutelage, unquote. I love how they use the word tutelage there. How important is it, Scott? Uh, how important is it to express your passion about this business with talents without making them feel intimidated? Well, it's about collaboration. and transparency, I, I'll go back to, and I really mean this, the, the people that are on my team, I work for them. And there is a strategic plan for every single person that directly, that directly reports to me. Anybody that, that, that's on my team, they have a personal strategic plan. Every year, we set goals for them. And my only job is to help them reach their goal. It could be as simple as I've had some shows that wanted to be syndicated. Okay, here are the steps that we have to take to get you there. I have other people that want to, uh, do, do you mind if I just share a quick story about how I do it. this work? When I was at Hubbard, we had a promotions director opening and the I wanted somebody who was hungry. I didn't care about market size. I wanted somebody who was scrappy. It was a super competitive market. Yes. We had some really 
big names apply for that job. It's a big job. It was WIL. I mean, it's a legendary radio station. That's right. A true brand. There was a young lady named Rachel that came from an unrated market in the southern part of Missouri. And I gave her just a simple project. And the project was, I mean, super simple. It's activating at a concert. She grew up at her radio station with no resources. And at Hubbard, we had resources. We had money, we had personnel, we had equipment. She blew me away. She, she made a, a little model for me of how it would be laid out, how it would, uh, how we would sound, how we would look, how we would interact, who would be where, when. I, that was the kind of energy and passion that I wanted. So I brought her on. And part of that onboarding process is when I say I've got a strategic plan for everybody that I work with, I found out what her true goal was. Her true goal was to be a music director. That's really what she wanted. That position was already filled. I had the best music director, a guy named Danny Montana, best music director in the industry, in my opinion. So what can I do to help her reach that goal? So I started bringing her into our weekly music meetings. And it's real simple. I mean, this is real simple one-on-one stuff, right? So bring yeah. three songs you really like. Fine. She would do that. And we start talking. Well, I'm also a big data nerd. And we haven't talked about that, which is totally fine. But I really, really, <laughs> really, really like research. Oh, yes. And, and Hubbard provides the best research in the business. And so I would start bringing her in to our call out meetings. And these are extensive meetings where we really break down the data. I mean, really break down the data. And she was a pretty important. So she continued to grow with it. Then she said, well, I want to learn more about them. What about the, the true, true tactical marketing that you do with zip codes and control panel reports and all of the tricks with Nielsen? So I started bringing her in. She kept growing and growing and growing because she was so hungry. She wanted to. So, so I felt she was ready to be a music director. I honestly felt that she was ready to be a program director. To make a long story short, well, too late, really. She's now an operations manager running a, a several station cluster in that small town. That now, Scott, isn't that... That's exciting, right? Yes. That's why we're Absolutely. in this business. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, All right. Look, I have another quote. This is from somebody else. This is somebody else's quote. It's not yours, but I think you talk about this. So I'm luring you down the path. Okay. So this is not about you, but I think this is about hiring. Okay. Mm -hmm. Quote, remember a plus human beings with B minus skills always beat a plus talent with c minus personality unquote this sounds like how i talk to clients about recruiting do you believe having the right people on the bus starts with the quality of the human being versus the pure importance of either raw skill or experience <laughs> yeah there, there's no question i once hired an overnight person for his personality at a starbucks drive through because i thought he had such an incredible personality um, yeah, I, I've worked and you've, you and I have both worked with unbelievably high caliber, high profile talent. Yes. That probably that they weren't really good at, at building coalitions in the hallway. Right. And right. 
That's always what I look for. People who can, who are passionate, who want to learn, who have that sense of wonder, who can teach me. That's, those are the people that I look for. I, I agree with that 100%. All right. So look, you're clearly a big believer in collaborative culture. And what I love about this conversation is you talk about how you work for your team, which I think is a great sign of, of real impactful, great culture leadership. So how difficult is it today to find uh, really great and skilled collaborators and what is the value of that kind of individual right now? Well, in our business today, especially with technology, you know, advances in technology, the people are the most important. And you know, how difficult is it to find? I think good leaders intrinsically know um, if if. They're good. I think good leaders also hire people and get out of their way. Uh, I think that's imperative. I I don't do to say I'm collaborative may be an, an understatement, be only because of, and I'm going to be vulnerable here with you. I appreciate the affirmation from the other leaders that I work with, and so I desperately try to go into any project with. I try to go in with a sense of humility to hear and learn yes. I, I, to, to know, I know I'm not the smartest guy. I, I know that, like, I know that I'm maybe one of the hardest working people you'll meet, but I'm not the smartest guy. So I rely on, on everyone. And, and I'm, I'm, I mean that from when we had them, the, the person who was our first impression representative at the, at the front desk to vice presidents of programming and presidents of programming. I, I rely on everybody because I think that if any one of us had this figured out, we wouldn't be sitting where we're sitting now. And oh, and I think people don't, people don't accomplish things by themselves. No, not really. No. And yeah, when my brand managers that, that, that are on my team will call and you know, if they're approaching a, a campaign or a promotion, they know the answer typically. And a lot of times they just want that affirmation too. But I, I so appreciate that. And again, it's that sense of wonder, Lloyd, that we go back to, but well, what is next? How can we make it bigger with the resources that we have? Scott, uh, I'm going to shift here on you because I, I think this will be interesting. Do you have a mentor in this business? If so, can you share maybe one way that they've changed your life? Somebody who's mentored you. You know, I have so many mentors. I think the people that are in my team are mentors. But one of the most impactful mentors that I've had is probably Steve Reynolds. And that's a good one. <laughs> Steve is. It's never about him. It's about the audience. It's it's about the strategy. I, I think one of the greatest things that that I learned from Steve is how well he connects with connects with others. I think that that's probably the most important. Steve knows how to listen. 
Steve's taught me to be a, a better listener. I think we all struggle with that, but really yes. listening to Steve, I think that's probably one of the most valuable things because it's never been about with Steve. It's truly never about radio. It's never about the show. Uh, it is always about strategy, but part of that is listening and making real connections. You know, this is a really interesting conversation because we could pull this conversation about Steve Reynolds out or about you and I and how we relate to people in this same fashion and place it in a sales department. Mm -hmm. You know, in the old days, you think, okay, a great seller is a great talker. <laughs> Maybe not. A great seller is somebody who is an active listener and knows when to respond or when to act. But listen, later for you, you spent time working for Saga, and uh -huh. then you end up at Hubbard, W-I-L-W-A-R-H. You, you hear a lot about Hubbard, and we have heard a lot about Hubbard on this podcast episode right now. Um, and, and we've had some great folks on from that company. Listen, you grabbed a CMA, an ACM trophy during your time there. Uh, St. Louis is a very interesting market. What did you learn working for Hubbard there? And how have your skills sharpened in programming because of your time there? Go back. It's a very simple answer. It was strategy um, the, and, and how to execute in a competitive right. landscape. I think that those were the biggest things that I came away with, along with, with just being able to connect to connect with people more. And, and one of the reasons that that I left Hubbard was, you know, I wanted to be able to grow uh, at scale, and that's why I ended up coming to Odyssey. Hubbard has one president of programming. That's Greg. So, you know, I knew that I had to, as much as that's a family to me. Like when I tell you that I have love for Hubbard, I genuinely, genuinely love them and respect every single person there. Everybody right. that I had the chance to learn from, but that strategic foundation and the ability to grow with scale, which is really where our industry is now. Um, that That's why it was important for me to make the the adjustment to my career that I did. All right, listen, so how, this is a great place to put this, how different are the country markets that you're responsible for and play a role in today for Odyssey? It's, it's a really good question. And just such a great, for me, a great dorky question because I love it uh, because it's it's a data question. You bet. Um, the, the country audience is, 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 pretty much universally the same, right? But their musical tastes are, are different based on regions. In the Pacific Northwest, for example, some of the more pop contemporary country uh, you know, does better than, say, some of the more traditional country. In the South, the Midwest, that's where you'll have more of the, I won't say red dirt, but the Texas sound does really well there. The more um, you know, mainstream country does really well in the South and Midwest as well, but that traditional sound does a lot better in those kinds of markets. Oh, yeah. And there's some politics difference as well, or political difference as well, that can impact country music lyrics. But, <laughs> oh, what's acceptable. And that's, it's interesting to me because and I, I won't, I won't share specifically, but there was a, a, a radio station 
it's not within Odyssey, but a, a station that I know that was a country station that took a very liberal lean to some social issues. Mm-hmm. And and well, my personal political beliefs don't matter. I I don't care. It doesn't matter. That's right. It's not about us, right? It's about the listener. And I don't think that it was in a place that would be perceived as being very liberal. I, I don't think I think that the country Oops. audience, I think regardless of where you are, even if you're in a very liberal market, I think that it, it tends to be I don't want to overgeneralize because it is different everywhere. But I, I think a majority, I believe a majority is is going to be more more conservative, um, regardless of, of where you are. It's in country really is vocally very much about you know faith and flags and family right and that's i think that's regardless of where you are i really believe that it's a different lifestyle yeah it is truly all right so let's talk about talent again for a minute because i really am enjoying this part of our conversation how important is talent today so there's the easy question right (laughs) And, and what advice do you have for talent that wants that big job, maybe that big morning show break? Uh, how could somebody put themselves in a position to win a big place at the talent table today? Yeah, it's a really, really good question. Talent is critical and it's up to the companies to, to pay for that talent. Right. Mm. And, and I market size doesn't mean anything to me. Um, I've, I've hired from unrated markets for on the air several times in major, large to major markets. To me, what it's about is how you don't make it about yourself. You make it about the listener I mean, you make it about your followers. And I really believe that this, I've always believed in this Lloyd, that this is a relationship business and yes. you reach out. Again, very, very short example at CRS, I was on an air check session board or something to that effect. And uh, there was a young man who desperately wanted to break into country. It always worked in alternative and in smaller markets. And I said it was so exciting because he's so eager. He had that same kind of passion that, that we talked about at the beginning of our conversation. That's right. And and I was so excited. And I said, look, if you want to. Every month, send me a demo, but make it custom. You know, look at the stations that you're really interested in. And if it can't be with Odyssey, which I hope that it is with Odyssey, but if you want to look at some of these other small markets, it's 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 making make a connection, reach out. And if they're a good leader, we're all so busy today. We're so, so busy. But I care so much about people and talent and the future of of our industry and audio in general that I I still reach out, make those connections. You talk to people, even if it's an email, LinkedIn, connect on LinkedIn. I, I, I think, I hope that talent will be surprised at the response that they get, you know, unsolicited, unsolicited requests, you know, may bother some people. I I'm always flattered that somebody would like, Oh no, I'd love you work. You know, no, this is where you find the winners. Yes. You you connect with people. If they connect with you immediately, if they want to be helpful to you, you better mark something in your little black book. That person right there is special. Yeah. And and that's that's what I believe in. I think that there are people having more than one talent too, I think is really important. Now I'll give you an example. 
Nick and Kristen, they're a married morning show and they do mornings for in one of my markets in Portland. And they're very good on the air. They're also incredibly good with video, probably some of the best video I've ever seen done by quota. Oh, you got to love that talent. Yeah. And and so when you have these these side interests, even if they're hobbies, that is that's critical. That's crucial. You know, if you've got a good social media footprint, that's how you connect with people, because we all come. We keep coming back to the same thing. Right. We keep coming back to connecting with people yes. and, and making somebody feel like. It's just the two of you and, and that exists out there. And if you're willing to put in, I believe this, if you're willing to, to network, to reach out to people, to, to not, you know, I try desperately not to have false pride. So I ask for help all the time, all the time. Don't be afraid to ask, you know, because some people, the really good ones, they'll always take a second. I believe that. You're getting really good advice from Scott Roddy right now. And and if you're not making notes, then you're making mistakes right now. Uh, listen, Scott, you, you've had a lot to do with imaging. Can you share what you think is most important in imaging radio today? And can you, you can be as specific as you like. Sure. I'm basically the imaging director for the country format for, for Odyssey, Uh, but it's just because I work with a great team. I I have nothing to do with it. I'm more of a traffic cop than anything else. I do think the most important thing, and you can hear this is get to the meat first. The meat is what sells do all the business at the end, but hook somebody in imaging, I think should make you believe or do something, believe something about the brand or about what you're imaging or have a call to action but hook them in with the meat first. And yeah, you know, length is important. Every, every programmer is going to talk about that. I, I, I tried, you know, word conservation is so critical because when you think about it takes, this is probably a 10 year old, you know, that's probably a 10 year old one sheet or a, a white paper that DMR put out that it takes a P1, your most passionate fan, 35 times, 35 exposures to really ingest something and hear something five times, right? Yes. So 35 to five. So make it creative, make it entertaining, put, put the meat first and then do the business at the end. I, I can't stress that enough. And it's the same way on the air. It's the same way we have all heard shows that do the 35 second setup now nah, start with the meat get right to the meat immediately oh, please right you know, that's the that's the most important thing you do all that business at the end please you're talking to the most distracted people that have ever breathed air yep and they have so <laughs> many more choices so that that fact that 35 5 that that's 10 years old it's it's they have more choices today so it's it's probably even more than that all right so now the toughest question comes and it's the final question i have for you okay so buckle up. You see and hear a lot of things in radio today just because of the position that you're in, because of the challenges that you face, because of the people that you see, the collaboration uh, between all parts of your company. You're involved in daily decisions and probably see a little curve that leads to the future, whatever that is. Now, look. Nobody knows the future. So I'm letting you off the hook. You see that. 
Okay. <laughs> but we will ask you to kind of speculate for us a little bit. What do you see as the future of radio and what do you hope it will be, Scott? I, I think we need to embrace the technology, not be afraid of it. Let the technology that's coming around, be it AI. And that's probably the biggest thing on our horizon, I would say. Oh, I'm glad you said that because I think we put that out there. I have a, a mentor who is a behavioral mathematician. And when he and I started having conversations about AI, he said, absolutely nothing to be afraid of. Yeah. AI doesn't do anything creative. You put the input in. Absolutely. And how can you make it work for you? And yes, as simple as, as you know, the, the chat that, that we all signed up for. I don't know if I can mention it or not, but you yeah, know. of course you can chat G, uh, GPT. Absolutely. Help, help that use that to help you write imaging. You know, you can ask it to write some funny lines for you. It won't, you can't use it because it's not written for the way that it needs to be delivered, but it can give you some really great thought starters. Sure. So I think embracing the, I think embrace the technology. Don't be afraid of it. Let it work for you. The other thing that I think that is just really critical. And I, I, I talk about this all the time. Learn how to become ratings proof. Nielsen is what it is. At the end of the day, we have to make money. That's really what the business is about. Now, for people like you and me, we want to make sure that the people are, are happy and as productive as they can possibly be, but we have to make money. And I think that for, for programmers, it's imperative for us to be ratings proof. Now, how do we do that? We do that by activating our audience. In, in the country format, this is why I love the country format so much. Real talk. I think next to oldies, which doesn't exist anymore, it is the easiest audience to activate. If it's a concert, we can sell concert tickets. If it's a charity, we can raise record money for charity. Learn how to become ratings proof. Be the best relationships that I have in the building this may surprise a lot of people, I think. Obviously, the people that I work with that are on my team were very close. Equally as close is the sales department. Right. And I mean that to a person. Well, yeah. it's relationship central, right? It absolutely is. So it, it's kind of the, it's maybe a strange answer for you is that that embrace the technology. I think that that's I think that's crucial. And every brand has to be more than transactional. We yes. Have, we have to be, it's, that's why I, I have a real passion for smaller markets that some of the saga markets, for example, are not, they're not rated markets. They're right. all about results there. And that's really, Lloyd, that's what we all are about. That right? is what radio is, results. Yeah. And the difference we can make for both of our clients, and I, I truly mean this, for the listener and the advertiser, those are our two clients, is it's the best ROI of any medium. It's the easiest to, to measure the results. And I'm talking about making money for our clients, which makes money for us. It's the most reasonable and reasonably priced medium that's available. 
And when we have great talent, if you've got great talent making connections, I won't give specific examples, but some of the markets that I work in, we have shows that have been on the air for you know, 25, almost 30 years. Right. If they say X brand of car is the best brand of car, they'll sell that car. We can do that. We do that as brands. And I think that that truly, truly is our future, no matter how busy we are, because we are all so unbelievably, we're spread. Well, so and wait, there. wait, every talent should be focused on becoming really skilled at that. And that takes sincerity. That takes really being able to connect the message to an audience and be believable. Yep. For sure. For sure. And if you've got a great brand manager that can help you, that that's, that's, you know, that's a partnership. Truly. A Scott, partnership. I, I love you brought it right back to great brand managers are working for who they're working for their people. Yep. They're also working for their audience, obviously, and we're in the advertising business, too. So you've got a lot going on there. But that service being a service first person is very valuable. I agree. I agree. Scott, I want to thank you for being our guest today. So incredible to spend this time with you. It's been my pleasure. I'm I'm very grateful for the opportunity. It's awkward. I think that most of us who are not behind the mic anymore, it's always very awkward to talk, to talk about ourselves, right? So I appreciate you making this uh, making this easy. I'm very grateful. Thank you. This has been really good and a really good episode that we'll use in a lot of different ways. Listen, get more free resources to help your sellers with our encouraging sales success series inside the free blog at rainmakerpathway.com anytime. We're not just here for programming people. We're here all the way around talking to people about how, how they can improve their income, improve their service, improve their ability to connect we are here to encourage radio pros at all levels. Remember, if you know somebody that you would like to hear as a guest on the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast, email me. So simple. F-O-R-D at RainmakerPathway.com. We hope that you have a great week. This is like our church here talking about radio. We like to say this at Rainmaker Pathway and on the Radio Rally as well. Once you have a radio station, you can get anything else you want. If you need to know what I mean by that, call me. I love sharing that story with people. We want to thank our special guest for this podcast episode, Scott Roddy, who is incredible, regional vice president, Odyssey, country, West Coast, uh, says Portland, Oregon, but uh, rumor says San Diego. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I just moved to San well, Diego. Yeah. <laughs> and you just moved there like right now, right? Yeah, five days ago. <laughs> so you see what happens on this podcast. We want to thank you for being our, our patient and giving guest. A very special thank you to Joe Kelly for producing the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast, which will be available in a minute. He's so good at putting this up rapidly. And we want to say a special thank you to JustJoeProductions.com for creating our audio footprint and distributing our podcast. Please do share the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast with others that you know are interested in growing their careers in audio and radio. It is free on Apple, Audible, Spotify, and almost anywhere you get your podcast. If you don't remember anything from this episode, hear me, be kinder then you have to be. Thank you for being a part of the Radio Rally and the Encouragers, and good night.